0: Welcome everyone, this is Michael Blue and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, but we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the king and of his kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready, let's go. Father, we thank you for the privilege that you afforded us to be a part of this gathering. We thank you for how you've encouraged our hearts. Thank you for how you have kept this nation despite its flaws and foibles. You have kept this nation. I thank you, Lord, for providing so richly for this nation. And I ask you, sir, that you would please cover us under your precious blood the more you said in your word, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. And then you gave other instructions. But I believe that you gave those instructions in a hierarchy. I believe the most important thing for us to do is to humble ourselves. And so Father, teach us by your spirit and by your word to humble ourselves, so that we will not have to be humiliated by external circumstances. Help us to humble ourselves from within in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We pray for all of your professionals in their places of work, and many of them in their places of leisure, that you would please keep them and make them, make us what you would have us to be. Spirit of the living God, we thank you just for lifting us up today. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you for encouraging us in the services yesterday, all across the nation and the nations. Thank you for sending your word and healing us and delivering us from our destructions. We give you the glory now and we give you the praise for all things in Christ Jesus. Open the eyes of our understanding and let us apprehend that for which also we are apprehended of Christ Jesus. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right. All right. Well, it's great to have as many of you with us, given the fact that this is a uh, a day of reprieve for quite a few, and um, the fact that you are uh, with us because you know there have been some times when we have uh, we have uh, allowed this uh, session uh, not to occur on a day such as this. In other words, we do take some holidays, uh, but. Uh, the fact that you're with us, in spite of the fact that it is a holiday, uh, we're we're happy. We're glad to see you, and uh, we believe that we're going to be blessed in this session, in a wonderful, wonderful way. The 34th Psalm, Psalm number 34, and verse three has been the place where we've been basing our conversation. Psalm 34:3 says oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. All right. So the Bible says, again, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We, When we think of magnify, we think of making some object larger. We can't make God any bigger. We can't make God any bigger, but what we can do, is that we can cause people's perspective of God to grow. We can the purpose of a magnifying glass, for example, is not to make the object bigger. It is to make the object clearer by giving a larger image. A larger image, a larger image makes the object clearer. And what we want to do is that we want to give people a larger view of God. So that they may be more clear about who he really is. And that's why the title of the discussion has been, uh, uh, God of the macrocosm, macro, big, large, cosm, order structure, world system. He's God of the big picture. Um, I began this morning, uh, earlier morning, talking about the fact that I was in in a uh, an exchange with uh, a young man about the fact that many of our beloved leaders in the African-American community, many of our renowned leaders in the African-American community, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, and, and when I say the community, in the in the faith part of our community are based in the faith part of our community that there are some of them even them who are not uh, committed to orthodoxy as relates to the christian faith are not committed to orthodoxy when I say orthodoxy now, I'm not talking about Greek Orthodox Church. The word ortho or the root ortho means straight or correct, and dox means teaching or opinion or belief. Correct belief, correct doctrine, uh, standardized through the centuries and even through the millennia. Uh, there are, there are men and women who are most influential, but who do not hold to the orthodoxies of Christianity. And here's the reason it is because, well, one of the main reasons, given reasons, there is this thought that Christianity Orthodox Christianity is not large enough, does not have the capacity to encompass the needs of the present day. That the Orthodox Christian faith does not speak to modern and postmodern culture. Therefore, there is to be a divorcing of or an abandonment of, a departure from orthodoxy. And and I'm not talking about ritualism and man-made traditions. I'm talking about core principles and core tenets of the faith, such as the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some, and this is no disrespect to any other ethnicity, but again, this is what we were talking about, that there have been some of our leaders who no longer subscribe if they ever did to the divinity of the man from Nazareth. They see him as a man, a great thinker, a great philosopher, maybe a revolutionary teacher, but he would be equated to a Muhammad or to a Buddha or a Zoroaster or some of the others some of them not only do not consider him divine but as a part of that divinity obviously would not consider him to be virgin born sinless all those things and again the point is not to raise up those details but to raise up this whole scenario in which there are those who no longer subscribe to the primitive faith, if they ever did, because in their minds, primitive means outmoded, outdated, inept, insufficient, inadequate to address the needs of the contemporary. That's the term we used this morning. So in other words, This departure is based upon a sense of a lack of relevance. And remember the statement that people are reverent to that which they find relevant. People are reverent to what they find relevant. And maybe the negative uh, statement makes it even clearer people are not reverent toward that which they consider relevant. People tend to be irreverent toward that which they consider to be irrelevant. So if we see in the West, people departing from the church, departing from mainline denominations, departing from institutionalized Christianity, departing from some of the institutional beliefs, some of the fundamental beliefs of society, things that used to have sort of a consensus but they no longer do, it is because someone has decided that those things are irrelevant. Thus, they are irreverent toward them. But my brothers, my sisters, I contend that those individuals who find Christianity irrelevant are those who are reacting to an aberration of Christianity, not the true faith of God in Jesus Christ. In other words, those individuals who see Christianity as inadequate, because here, here, here here's what uh, many of them would come with. You know, it's all about Pie in the sky, by and by. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. In other words, no answers for the current plight of our community. No answer for violence. No answer for broken families. No answer for poverty, the root and the fruit. You understand? No. So, so all we've got is a feel good emotional religion. And then after that, we go back into our holes of horror. Therefore, in order to have a a reverent ideology, we depart from that, and we simply deal with the pragmatics of a faith. My dear brothers and sisters, what we contend is that the gospel of the kingdom of God is all sufficient. Paul was talking to Timothy and said that godliness is profitable in all things, having promise of the life that is and the life that is to come. It is not either or, it is both and. In other words, we have learned that one does not have to depart from the fundamentals of primitive, that is the earliest days, Christianity. We don't have to depart from that. And yet, First century authenticity has 21st century relevance and sufficiency. We don't have to somehow separate the one from the other. And those individuals who do that, I submit, my second point is I submit that some of them, if they're honest, have not learned the gospel of the kingdom of God. They've gotten a peace perhaps, but they have not gotten what Paul refers to as the whole counsel of God. Because an individual who understands the whole counsel of God understands that wholesome living in every area of our existence is commended and contributed and revealed to us through the gospel of the kingdom of God. There is nothing that is good for human beings that lies outside the parameters, the perimeters of the kingdom of God. There's nothing that's good for people that's outside the scope of the kingdom of God. Did you hear what I said there? And so whenever uh, there are those who pontificate, uh, yes, that's slave religion. That that y'all doing, that's slave religion. No, my dear brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that there was not religion created to keep slaves in bondage ideologically and pragmatically. I'm not saying that didn't exist. And I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but I'm telling you, that's not the gospel. That's what somebody made of the gospel. That's not the word of God. That's what somebody made of the word of God. Are you clear with me? And so as a kingdom professional, you do not have to divorce yourself from goodness In order to embrace greatness, I shared a series some years ago entitled Goodness and Greatness. There are those who think that in order to embrace greatness, one has to give up divine goodness. Nothing could be further from the truth. You don't have to redefine it. It is self-defining. Can you see that? All right, Mayor Tillman, always good to see you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that we began with, uh, well actually ended with last time, we ended with a devil saying, let us alone. That's what we ended last time at the 1130 session. We ended with a demon saying, let us alone. Really? Yes. We're talking about God being God of the macrocosm. Well, in order to discuss the macrocosm, we have to discuss the way the macrocosm is set up. There is the natural, and then above the natural, there is the supernatural. God created the supernatural order before he created the natural order. And everything that exists in the natural order is a reflection and or a result of the supernatural. God created reality parallel. In the beginning, God created the heaven supernatural and the earth natural. One of the orders of intelligent beings that God created are what we call angels. Angels is a very, I know it's angels are, but I'm talking about the term angels. The term angels is, a very broad term the way we use it. Um, But when we say angel, we're talking about those supernatural beings infinitely lower in status than God, yet in terms of their might and intellect uh, and their longevity higher than humans. Um, The word angels from the Greek Angelos it means messenger they serve at God's bidding they serve at God's behest they serve at God's pleasure and uh they are very powerful and and of course the 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 the, the most powerful one or at least one of the most powerful ones uh was one named uh Lucifer according to traditional um theology Lucifer was uh, one of the highest ranking, if not the highest ranking of God's angelic beings. He was in that classification called a cherub. Just like in the army, you got private, lieutenant, corporal, captain, colonel, brigadier, general, general, right on up the scale. Well, even so, there are ranks in the angelic as well. Paul used the term, there are ranks in the angelic lucifer fell from being the highest ranking or one of the highest ranking holy angels to being the highest ranking unholy angel or spirit and um the classifications that paul gives us in uh ephesians chapter 6 those same classifications are given in ephesians 1 and in the book of colossians chapter 2 and in other places, uh, Book of uh, uh, Peter, I think, First Peter, that there are principalities, powers. Now, then there are thrones and dominions and so forth. But in Ephesians six twelve, as Paul is talking about the de- demonic ranks, he says principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. These are ranks of angelic beings, ranks of spirit beings infinitely beneath god and yet over man in terms of their ability in terms of their intellect in terms of their longevity you see that um when satan and those beings that were with him fail there was still a quest for power there was still a quest for power and so Lucifer, who became Satan, deceived the first humans. And in deceiving the first human humans, he defrauded the first humans. He defrauded the first humans of the rightful exercise of the dominion that God gave us. Remember Genesis 1:26, And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them, humankind, have dominion. That's what God gave human beings. Dominion over things pertaining to the earth that would include the world. Remember, the earth is the planet. The world is the systems that operate on and and, and govern the planet. Um, In the third chapter of Genesis, Satan deluded our first parents, Adam and Eve, deluded them into yielding the proper and full exercise of their dominions. And so we have uh, Satan defrauding humankind of the rightful exercise. Sometimes you will hear a minister say that Satan took uh, mankind's authority or took mankind's dominion. Uh, And I understand that statement, but I think it's better stated. He did not necessarily take it, but he deluded them into forfeiting the right for exercise thereof. He didn't take it outright. He manipulated them in the use of it. Why do you say it that way, Brother Blue? I think he took our dominion. Well, remember this, in order for Satan to accomplish anything on the earth, he still needs a human being. If he had taken our dominion, he wouldn't need us. He didn't take it. He defrauded us of the rightful exercise. He manipulates us to use what God gave us for us against us. Can you see the difference? So he didn't take the dominion. He took from us our awareness of what we had so that he might manipulate us to use what we have against ourselves and ultimately against the will of God but he doesn't have the dominion god the bible says the gifts and calling of god are irrevocable the devil can't take from you that thing that god i'm talking about categorically he can't take from humanity what god has given to humanity but he can defraud us to give it up you see the difference all right and so in his quest for power as he manipulates humanity, he becomes by default, not not by right, but by default, he becomes what Paul calls in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, God of this world. What Paul calls in Ephesians chapter 2, Prince of the power of the air. What Jesus calls in John 12, Prince of this world. He did become that. And not only did he become that, but those that serve with him gained, again, just like him, the exercise or the manipulation of human society's dominion, humankind's dominion and authority and 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 prerogatives in the earth. And so Satan is known as what? God of this world, prince of the power of the air, prince of this world, and he is so secure, if I may use that expression in quotes, in his position that he had the audacity to call himself tempting Jesus. In the book of uh, Luke chapter four, in the book of Luke chapter four, the Bible says that he had the audacity to come up on Jesus and say, uh, verse six, Luke four and six, let's look at five. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and the devil said unto him all this power will i give thee and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever i will i give it if thou therefore wilt worship me all shall be thine it's not the total truth it's a, it's a partial truth so a partial truth is a whole lie He says, that is delivered unto me, not really. It's stolen goods. It's stolen goods. What did he show Jesus? Well, as I stated last time, he probably showed him the Roman empire. He may have shown him the great cities of Greece, all the great civilizations that existed at that time. He may have even shown him some things in the future. And he said those things belong to him or they're delivered unto him as the way he stated it. No, he fraudulently occupies these positions. And that my dear brother and sister is why God sent Jesus a man. Why did he send him as a man? It is because God knows that everything that he gave man still belongs to man. But because mankind fell in falling, he yielded all of his privileges and prerogatives to Satan and was bound there in that yielded, submitted place because of sin. But enter a man with no sin. A man with no sin now is qualified to reclaim everything that Satan has caused the rest of humanity to forfeit. We call it redeeming. We call it restoration, isn't that something? Praise God for Jesus. And that's why whenever Jesus has these exchanges with demons, that's one of the reasons why they say things like, are you here to torment us before time? We know who you are. You know why they say, we know who you are. It is because it becomes clear to them that jesus is god in disguise jesus is god on hold jesus is god veiled, and so he comes up saying he comes up saying you got these people fooled. but i know who you are and what did jesus say shut up and come out i <laughs> and see and, and and here's the thing let, let, let's let's get a little more i know who you are you're the holy one of god But then he says i oh my mm, 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 mm. mark five and seven go to mark five and seven mark chapter five and verse seven look at this now in, in order for you okay now bible scholars i need you to be well all of you bible scholars today even if you're not tomorrow okay uh back up to matthew 26 63 i need you to get a term in your head matthew Matthew uh, 26, 63. Matthew 26, 63. All right. Now, Jesus is on trial. Get this, lock this in now. Jesus is on trial. I mean, legal trial. Matthew is, it acts as an illegal trial, but we won't go into that. Matthew chapter 26, but it's supposed to be legal proceedings. Matthew 26 and verse 63. Now, Jesus is being accused of all of these, uh, 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 things that he supposedly has done and said. And Jesus is saying nothing. Look at verse 62. And the high priest arose and said unto him, answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? Verse 63. But Jesus held his peace. Jesus not only kept his mouth closed, he held his peace. How many know there's a difference between holding your lips and holding your peace? And the Bible says, and the high priest answered and said unto him, listen now. (laughs) Listen, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said unto him, thou hast said. Now, let me ask you a question. Jesus was silent the whole time. Why does Jesus speak now? He was silent the whole time. He's been in court the whole time. But why does he speak now when all before he was silent when people were, were harassing him and all of that kind of thing? Let me tell you why. Well, somebody said, well, he, he, he spoke because he wanted people to know who he was. Well, that's good. But what's the technical reason? Here's the technical reason. It's right here. But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said to him, I adjure thee by the living God. The word adjure. A.D. means to or toward you're as in the word jury or jurisdiction. It means I'm putting you under oath. I'm charging you legally. I command you by the authority of God, according to the legalities that makes me high priest. I command you to answer me. So Jesus had to answer legally he had to answer because the high priest adjured him that is the high priest said i appeal by the law of god i'm god's high priest you gotta answer me and jesus said yeah you are the high priest so here i go you got it he put him on the oath so to speak you don't have to believe me read the commentators all right you got that in mind now go with me brother canari go with me to, to mark chapter mark chapter uh Oh gosh, what did I give you? Mark chapter five. Didn't I say five and seven? Yes, five and seven. And cried with a loud voice. The demon through the legion is, come on. The demon through the man is crying out. Look at verse seven and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee Jesus, thou son of the most high God. Now, that man with the demons, he doesn't know Jesus is God, the Son of God, but the demons inside, they know he's God. And the chief demon's name is Legion. Remember, he said, My name is Legion for a minute. And the Bible says that this demon says to Jesus, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Do you see he's using the same language that Caiaphas used? You know what he's saying? he's saying, I know God's law legally, you cannot torment me yet as God, because there's a a place in the Bible that says that in the end, an angel is going to come and bind Satan and put him in the bottomless pit. And that time has not come yet. And so you do not have the authority as God. You the son of God. You divine. You have no right to jerk me around. I adjure thee by God. I appeal to the law of God. The devil says I have rights. I know I'm the devil, but I have rights and God will not deprive me of my right. Do you understand that Satan is saying to Jesus that as God, you don't have a legal right to bother me right now. Where did we leave off last time? Let us alone. Luke chapter four. The demon said, let us alone, because the demon knows that God as God is not going to touch him until the end. You know what you read in the book of the Revelation? He knows that God is not going to doom him till the very end. And so he sees Jesus and he knows Jesus is God. And so he says, you God, you can't touch me. I I appeal to the law of God. Do you hear the devil? See, I I told you the devil owns nothing. Listen, listen. He depends on God. I don't know what the devil eats, but he 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 depends on God but devil food. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? He owns nothing. He owns nothing, and he appealed to the law of God. He appealed to the law of God, and you know what? Jesus cast him out. You know why? Because Jesus did not come to deal with Satan as God. He came to deal with Satan as a man. Now, I'm off my lesson a bit, but, but did you hear what I said? He didn't, he didn't come to slap Satan around as God. Satan is right. As God, God is not going to touch him till the end. But as a man, see, man has dominion on the earth. And what Satan didn't know is that Jesus was not here to operate as God. He was confused, totally, totally confused that Jesus, even though he is God, he's not operating with his Godhood power. He's operating as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So devil, you got to come out, not because God said so, but because a man that's anointed by God says so. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I need you, I need you, I need you to understand that Jesus here is operating as our example. He's operating as a man. In other words, the dominion that human beings have over the devil, they always had it. It's just that sin kept them from being able to use it. But Jesus has no sin. And so the anointing of God equips him to stand in his place and say, oh no, Mr. Devil, you gotta come out. Not because God said so, it's because I said so. God gave me the authority, I say you coming out. Can you see it? It's legal. So Satan understands the legalities. Satan understands the legalities of how he interacts with human beings. You follow me? He understands that he doesn't have dominion over you. He has the ability to manipulate you to yield up what rightfully belongs to you because God gave it to you when he created you. I don't know if that makes sense to you. All right. So so we have a manipulating devil who trusts that you're not going to know who you are in Christ. That number one, you're not going to be in Christ. That's the first thing. He's counting on you not being in Christ. And then secondly, if you do get in Christ, he's counting on you not to know. He's counting on you not to know who you are in Christ. Now, so he's still God of this world, prince of the power of the air, prince of this world. However, not only is that true concerning him, his henchmen, his principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, all of those entities also manipulate human beings. Now, last time, I certainly thought we were going to be able to get further. Last time, we talked about the fact that the ancient mythologies, the ancient mythologies, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, Egyptian, Norwegian, Scandinavian. Those mythologies, we were told, were just ancient people trying to make up stories to explain the unexplainable. And there may be an element, I'm sure there there are elements of that, but, but the greater truth is that Genesis chapter 6 tells us that not only did Satan fall, but there were angels who fell as well, who left their original status and cohabitated with the daughters of men. Now, I don't want to deal with the cohabitation and all of that, but here's the thing. Apparently, they were given jurisdiction by God to support humanity to watch over humanity. You read the book of Daniel, you find that the Bible talks about the decree of the watchers. I think it's Daniel chapter four. Angels are called watchers. And so responsibility for this town, responsibility for this community, responsibility for this nation. Remember the book of Daniel, prince of Greece, prince of Persia, uh, 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 Michael, prince of Israel principalities, the angelic ones, the divine, the holy ones, and the, the, uh, the, the wicked ones. They understood that they had assignments. And the ones who have fallen still consider themselves as having assignments, assignments to territories, assignments to locales, assignments, to families, to cities, to states and nations, and yes, to individuals as well. See, the word demon in the, the, excuse me, the word devil in the Bible does not mean horns, pitchfork, tail, red jumpsuit. That's not what the word, that's not what the word devil means. The word devil in the Greek is daimonion. It's actually transliterated demon but again demon does not mean green vomit and 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 that kind of thing oh we reduce that that's not what it means though the word daimonion actually means a deity or in other words when we read about these ancient people who believed in the god of war and the god of commerce and the god of thieves and the god of poetry and the god of music and so forth these are demons who declare that they have lordship over these aspects of human existence. I'll say it again. These are demons who declare that they have jurisdiction and authority over these aspects of human existence. When you think about it, it makes almost natural sense. When you look at the power, for example, of entertainment, the power of music, the power of people obsessing over money and trade and commerce, you can almost sense that there's something spiritual there. Well, there is. There are holy spirits. I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost God. I'm talking about holy angels that have certain responsibilities, but there are fallen angels that also have certain jurisdictions. They don't have the rightful jurisdiction, but again, they hunger for power. They presume to manipulate human beings to use what God gave us against ourselves and against God's will. They claim to be over education. They claim to be over various of the sciences, over again, all the aspects of human existence. They did then and they still claim it now. The form is different. The images are different, but the reality remains the same. why am I teaching this to you? It is because when you are a professional, you are in a zone that demons claim as their own. You're in a realm, you're in a dimension that some spirit claims as his own. The fact that you are a kingdom professional means that you are in a realm that some demon claims as his own, but you are there possessed of and i'm not talking about demonic possession now i mean indwelt by the demon's master that's going to be a conflict because here you are in a realm that satan claims as his own but you in there with satan's master the lord jesus christ inside you and so you've got a dominating spirit and then here you come up forrest gump don't know where you are walking, but you got the spirit of God. You show up. And because you show up, the Bible says in Psalm 34, 7, the angels of the Lord encamp camp round about him and fear him. You fear the Lord. So you show up. The spirit of God in you, he shows up. All the angels that protect you, they show up. And all of you are going into a zone that Satan claims. Is there any wonder why there might be some conflict? when you get there? Is there any wonder why there might not be some conspiracy to try to get you put out? All right. That's one part of it. But the other part is more important than any of this. Notice that when Jesus sent his disciples out, notice that one of the main things he told them to do is to cast out devils. In other words, get rid of the spirit that is dominating this sphere. Get rid of this evil spirit that is dominating this aspect and influencing this aspect of human society. Listen, you can never spend enough money to eradicate poverty when a spirit of poverty is dominating a city, dominating a neighborhood, dominating a community. The Bible says first there must be a binding of the strong man. Then there can be the possession of his goods. We can't bring about change in the natural when we don't deal with the issues in the supernatural. A kingdom professional must be conscious and competent to deal with the fact that when you became a doctor, when you became an attorney, when you became a social worker, when you became an educator, when you became a cook, when you became an entrepreneur, you thought that was just about you making money. It was not about you making money first. It was about you making inroads into the kingdom of darkness to take back experientially and pragmatically that which legally already belongs to God and belongs under man's aegis, man's auspices. Lord, I hope you see it. And I hope I'm saying it well. Oh my, we need to go much further. But do you see that? you are working in a war zone you i'm not talking about warring against people remember paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood those of you who are educators you are in a war zone i don't mean you work against your principal necessarily i don't mean you work against your super superintendent necessarily or the board but I mean, there are forces that want those children illiterate, degenerate, want those children to fail in every aspect of life. And so when you are trying to teach reading, writing, arithmetic, please know that there is a supernatural opposition to those children growing, those children becoming, those children learning. It's supernatural because you're taking territory that Satan claims and that his demons claim as their own. And you are shaping culture by touching those children's hearts and minds. You're shaping culture. You're raising up giants. You're raising up leaders with character and caliber and competence. You understand? You are raising up light bearers who will eradicate the power of darkness. That's why you're going to be attacked financially or opposed financially. That's why organizationally there will be situations that will try to ice you out. It's not people. It is the fact that those spirits claim that these realms, these dimensions belong to them. And when you show up, they're going to say the same thing to you that they said to Jesus when he showed up, let us alone. But don't let them alone. The Bible says, stand. Having done all, stand. You're making a difference. You're the light of the world and you have the authority of God to cast out devils. They may never, Reverend Brown, you may never have an experience in the classroom where somebody falls down and begins to wiggle like a snake and gag and spit up green stuff. No, but that spirit that wants to keep that African-American male making babies for which he's not responsible, That devil has got to come out and you have been given God's authority to touch that young man. I don't necessarily mean physically touch, but touch his ideology, touch his value system, touch his perspective of what it means to be a man, touch his perspective of what it means to be a husband and father. You are driving out a devil and you're pulling down the stronghold so that devil will have nowhere to hide going forward. All right then listen it's memorial day remember those who gave what doctor or excuse me president lincoln called the last full measure of devotion remember them remember their families and then beyond that if you have opportunity enjoy yourself fellowship eat your hamburger a cheeseburger anything good hot dog but remember jesus remember one another Remember these families that have had their children taken away in death in Texas and the loved ones there in Buffalo, New York. And so many that have had things happen over these past several years, pray for them because your prayers drive out the devil. Your prayers repudiate his works. I will talk further with you. I believe it is the mind of God. That the kingdom professional understand not only his profession or her profession, but his or her kingdom position. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. By the power of God's word, his spirit, his blood and his name. We remain committed to bring pleasure to Christ's heart and fame to his name. Happy Memorial Day. Blessed Memorial Day. May the peace of God. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.